0: Hello, oh, hello, and welcome to another episode of Just a Tad on the DTF Podcast. My name is Sam Norton. I am here all by myself, but no longer, because you guys just showed up. So how's it going, everybody? Doing good? Can't hear you. That's cool, though. Uh, thanks for joining. We're going to have a great episode today, because we're talking about one of my favorite char- my comic characters ever created. Uh, Jiminy Glick. Some of you may remember that this character uh, came out of Martin Short's head. Martin Short, of course, uh, famous comedic actor and from Three Amigos, and maybe you know him from Jungle to Jungle. Uh, a great fucking character. I, I love this uh, whole idea. I'm fucking jealous that it was... It's one of those comedic ideas that was done before I thought I could have a chance to create it, you know what I mean? Where it's like, ah shit, someone's done it before. And this happened shit when I was in like middle school, but I gravitated to this character. And I'll tell you why. But to give you guys we have a clip that we're gonna I'm gonna have you guys listen to, then we're gonna uh, dissect it, like always, but this character, like I said, comes from Martin Short. It was made, I think, official on the Martin Short show in 1999, and it got so popular on that show, it was a short-lived show, but it got so popular that Comedy Central picked it up, and he had his own show called Primetime Glick, uh, in 2001, I think, t- uh, for like three years, two or three years, um... And so that's where the character originated, like fully formed originated. But it came out as like a, a proto version of it back in 1996. Martin Short hosted SNL and had a character called Pinky Nye that was a vague similarity to this character. Um, Jiminy Glick you will hear is a he's a talk show host and he's. He's one of these, like, Hollywood insider-type people, and he he kind of birthed this character out in Martin Short's words. He he kind of birthed out out of Martin Short's real fascination with quote i'm quoting him directly morons with power so he likes the idea of these people who are really kind of talentless hacks and dumb but have somehow slimed their way up the ladder especially in the entertainment business but you can kind of see a reflection of maybe someone at work you know that just for some reason stumbled ass backwards into being your boss and you're like you're a fucking idiot and it's gone to your head that's basically what uh, Jiminy Glick is. He's just this idiot that somehow created this lifestyle and career and just stumbled ass backwards into success. And now, to give you guys a little bit of a backstory, his uh, his voice comes from a man on the street that he grew up with in uh, in Canada. I guess it was a guy that he grew up near. Uh, I heard this in his book, or heard this in his audiobook, because I don't read, Uh, I have problems, Um, but he, he had a very similar cadence and way of inflecting different words. And you'll hear how weird it is, how he goes up like this and then down. It's it's very, very odd way of speech, but Martin, I think, made a, a note of like, that's fucking weird, and I'm going to make a note of that. And so he did, and he turned it into a gold mine. And then the look, uh, I know you guys can't see him uh, other than on the picture, but if you guys want to look him up, uh, his look, he said uh, he... Had a, he had a movie back in the 80s, uh, late 80s, early 90s, called Pure Luck. And in the movie, he has an allergic reaction or gets stung by a bee. I can't really remember. But he, he has an allergic reaction and just swells up in the movie. And he was in uh, a chair, got the prosthetics, and had had basically a fat suit on. And one of his uh, co-workers or at, co-actors, I don't know what they're called, co-stars, that's what I'm There you go. I know the business that I'm in. Uh, co-stars walked in and didn't recognize him and he made note of that of like oh I want because at the beginning of making *Jimmy Glick he wanted to do a lot of man on the street type thing like Alley G type thing or like the Borat where it's like nobody really knew who he was so he wanted to hide behind the makeup so he could kind of troll people um, now it was an unfortunate happy accident because people still kind of knew who he was But the idea of it still stuck that he's just this big, fat, robust man who's got jowls like Alfred Hitchcock. Um, So he has, he's very, and Martin Short's a very fit man underneath it. So he's a very fit, fat, globular man that rolls around, eats donuts a lot, and it's it's just a big... He's this character, what I love about him the most, and you guys will hear, he's a real dog shit person, sack of shit, and for some reason you like him. And those are always not only my favorite characters, but kind of my f- favorite type of comedic characters in stand up too. Like when you can play the, and I'm playing around with this personally, but when you can play the enemy or the antagonist in your own. World where people are like, "Good Lord, this is I, this is guy's yeah, a real piece of shit," or "This woman's a real fucking dirty asshole." But for some reason, people still love you like this weird anti-hero of comedy. I I love it, and he, my to my knowledge, in my life was the first character identified that kind of tuning fork on my funny bone of like, "Wow, this." I like this. I like this idea that you can be such a dirty scumbag, or just a, such a reflection of what people kind of are sometimes. We all have a dirty scumbag inside of us, and sometimes it's reflected uh, back at you in comedy. And I think that's, I think that's fun to play with. So I want you guys to listen to this. This is. Uh, From an episode of Primetime Glick uh, Starring Martin Short as Jiminy Glick And in this he's hosting his own kind of talk show type uh, Kind of late night show (coughs) And uh, he's in the middle of an interview with the one great Bill Maher Bill Maher who's a comedian that you all might know from uh, His longtime show Real Time with Bill Maher on HBO He also had a another show on abc you guys will hear about it so let's go to the clip and we'll come back and dissect the shit out of it all right see you guys
1: oh my god i'm scared at what he's going to do to me or say or even think please welcome the wonderful bill Mayer. (laughs) how wonderful you're here Thank oh, you. Oh, this is exciting. Thank you. It's pronounced Marr. Do you know that? <laughs> Bill, Bill, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. For years now. And you're on this show, Politically Incorrect, which yes. I've never seen. You, 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 you seem to,
2: you seem to, you, you seem to. <laughs> you look great, by the way. Have you lost weight? Do you know what? I,
1: I'll tell you something. Because I think you found it again. I'm just... <laughs> This is the evil comic mind of Bill...
2: Mark. Say, Mark.
1: The United States doesn't have a royal family. Do you wish they had a royal family?
2: Uh, what a silly question, but... Yeah, I think it might be a good idea, because the royal family takes a lot of the heat that our first family has to. Where in an, our, our government... Excuse me. <laughs> if the president, for example, has oral sex in the Oval Office... No!
1: When! Who! <laughs> the president.
2: The, uh, the, uh, the past president. Oh, Bill
1: Clinton. I was going to say, because George W., I can't imagine that would happen. No.
2: No, when you do that much coke, you can't get in right Oh, my
1: goodness. But this is the new comedy. This is what's wild about this boy. He'll say things that are absolutely wonderful.
2: <laughs> as long as we are on the subject, I've always been curious watching you because of the way you are. What drugs you may have done in the past that are still affecting you now?
1: For a while, I smoked which was, which was very popular at the University of Wisconsin. But, you know, that was the era. That was the late 60s, and everyone is experimental. But I think drugs are wrong. I think they're bad. Belmar, do you think drugs are bad?
2: No. You don't? No, I don't. You think they're good? It depends. Drugs are like fire or cars. They can cause harm, and they can be good. This whole country takes drugs every day. Everyone here is on some drug. They're either on caffeine or Prozac. Or vodka.
1: Are you high now? Because <laughs> you seem high. And, I, and you looked at Luna, and you I, polished I, out about 17 donuts by I, I, <laughs> so I watched it
2: before I got out here, but let me tell you, you're a buzzkill. Uh, <laughs>
1: That's more of the Bill Maher zinger. And it's it's like... Just your bra. No, this is oh, this uh, just pecs. Just right. pecks, working, trying to help, doing Pilates every every chance I can get. Pecks, yeah, wrecks. but you weren't, <laughs>
2: you weren't <an> a <laughs> You were a wonderful. Could you not spit right on me? Oh, DC like, Bill Maher. Oh, that was.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> you want me to do the whole? Do you need a full Heimlich? That's later. Okay.
1: Um, what, was DC, what was Mr. G like?
2: It was an acting clinic. It was. It, for me, I never went to formal acting school. No.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but I consider the time I spent on DC Cab to be an acting school.
1: You share a birthday with Melissa Rivers.
2: Is her birthday January 20th? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I'll tell you. Well, then we do. You know who else shares my birthday?
1: Who? Howard Hughes? No. <laughs> are you serious, Bill? Yes. Do you know who also? It's Rudy. Rudy from The First Survivor. The old man. Yeah.
2: And, and, and he shares. I like Rudy. He's a man. He's a he's a veteran.
1: He's a veteran. And that means someone who has been to... War. War. <laughs> do you think, Bill... Do you think, Bill, that most people are politically incorrect?
2: No, I think uh, most people nowadays are politically correct. And uh, our show tries to expose the facade. And facade. Do you outer do you... surface? Outer
1: surface. Just say expose outer the expose facade. The outer surface.
2: Your little lungs are too small to hotbox with God. What does that mean? It's rap.
1: Oh, I love rap. I do love rap no it... you don't. No, I don't. You... Go... <laughs> Mary Lou Henner and Tony Danza. Do you think anything really happened on Taxi? Or do you think they were just good friends?
2: Mary Lou was very upfront in her book about the fact that when she was in her heyday in Hollywood, she enjoyed the company of a great number of men. And she enjoys sex.
1: Do you think that's something that, that that women shouldn't say? That there just should be a male thing to say? Or uh, do you believe in the equality of the sex in more?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I believe in the complete equality of the sex. I think it is liberating for a woman to be able to embrace her sexuality if you really believed in your attributes as an equal human being then you would give your sexuality away instead of holding it back as some sort of prize that you had to wait for
1: I'm not trying to brag or anything but my lady and I have been together for 23 wonderful years we have a very active sexual life sometimes four or five you know Times a year? Pops a week.
2: That's great. I always thought it was a whole front and that you were gay, but that's, you know, just what I've heard.
1: Now, why isn't that interesting coming from a 44-year-old bachelor?
2: <laughs> yeah. No, yeah.
1: You are the best, and this has been fun, and I want you to come back every other day if it's possible. What am I, a fly? No. We'll be back.
0: All right, that was... Jiminy Glick interviewing Bill Maher and just the the up and down roller coaster of like laughing at him, then with him, then about the situation. Like, there's so many textures to the character of how he get a how he gets a laugh that it's it's very impressive to me, and I'm surprised at how many times I brought him up in conversation with other comics. To where I go, hey, do you know about Jimmy Glick? And people don't know, and I have to try to explain like this character uh, not only is just got uh, the ability to do jokes, just regular jokes, uh, set up punchlines, because he's got his, you know, stand-up late-night format. But he's also he can do satire on the format. He can make fun of it. He can do physical comedy because Martin Short's. Uh, in this giant fat suit, padded fat suit, so he can just fall over and do pratfalls and not be hurt, which he does all the time. He falls out of his chair. Uh, so he can do physical humor. He can do... You uh, roast people, because he's the character's a dickhead, so he can just say mean shit to people. And he, he's, got all, he's got all these weapons that all come together, and it's fucking hilarious. And so... You guys will always, uh, by now you've seen the through line. I, one, love comedy. I, two, love to kill it for people. Uh, but three, I, I, there, is a, there is a through line of what type of comedy I like most. And uh, I think you guys can see that with Martin Short, the sarcasm definitely comes from his style of comedy. He's kind of got that uh, David Spade-esque type of, uh, you know, schmarmy little asshole type thing. Uh, but I, for me, I recognize the the quips and the quickness that he is able to go tit for tat with somebody. Uh, that definitely blossomed out of his background as an improviser. He, he was one of the first people to start uh, Second City up in Toronto, Canada. So he, that, that definitely helps not only flourish his... Uh, improvised skill and character skill because he he was also on SNL. He was on uh, the, the second uh, SCTV, Second City TV that was big. It was like can- or Canada's better version of SNL back then. Um, so he, he he can develop a character. He can improv very well. But another part of it, I think uh, personally, just because I know. This is where I got it from. Is Martin Short is also from a large Irish-American family. And that quickness of chastising each other... Uh, again, not every family is the same. But there are through lines and generalizations that... Especially listening to his book, I'm like, Fuck, that's exactly kind of where I got it, too. And so at the end, when you know Bill Maher makes fun of him and says, Oh, I always, I always thought that was a front. I thought you were gay. And then he goes, well, isn't that strange coming from a 44-year-old bachelor? Like, that's a fucking great comeback. And then just to end it on like, yep, all right, I win. That What a fucking dick move to do to an audience member. Like, Dave Dave Letterman uh, was very known for that in his, uh, and I think maybe he pulled from Dave Letterman. Because that, that was Dave Letterman's whole thing. Is like, you knew when he didn't like the guest, and he would just troll the guest and shit on him. But he would still do his job, and he would, majority of the time, go like, okay, now let me make you look good, let me promote your thing, let me do my job. Whereas Jiminy Glick, I think he pulled that kind of aspect out of uh, David Letterman, of going like, yeah, I'm going to be a dick to my guests, but I'm not going to let them win, I'm just going to go like, hey, alright, you're great, alright, I'll see you later. Like, just really just pushing somebody under the water so you can keep your head above water. It's such a shitty thing, but it's so funny to see it done with uh, that kind of satirical razor edge on there. And I love how much he made this vile, disgusting human being so lovable by really balancing out the scales between his venom, his, his egomania, his disdain for anybody doing anything more than him uh and his real just hatred for anybody who uh, basically isn't him or just kissing the ring of the king type thing so he balances out that venom with his absolute dopiness he's a big fat short or he's a not big he's a short fat piece of shit who eats his feelings he eats donuts all the goddamn time he falls out of his chair he chokes on shit uh, he he can't keep an interview straight. The, one of his uh, kind of phys- more physical gags is he keeps like a rolled up n- uh, group of notes in his hand that you could tell they're trying to go like, oh, a PA did a bunch of research uh, on the the interviewee and gave him this like right before he walked out, or gave it to him like right when he walked in, and he's like, just give me the notes and I'll be able to interview, and he never, when he looks at it he gets people's names wrong, like when he kept saying Bill Mayer, Mayor and it's like he has the information right in front of him, but he just doesn't bother because honest that's the whole idea of the characters, to know a celebrity is just to further his own celebrity so he, he's just one of those guys that just keeps pushing if if Jiminy Glick uh, was a real person, uh, and not just a character, he and he was on the Titanic. He would be pushing everyone... He'd be the guy pushing everybody else's head underwater until they drowned. So he could suture a human boat uh, out of each other and then survive. And then he would go on a book tour telling about how he tried to save everybody by sewing everybody together and bringing them back you know, to safety. He, he's just that slimy of a person. Like, no, I was... You know, I was trying to save myself, but I was trying to save everybody with me because that's how good of a person I am. Now give me $500 for this book deal. Like, just a real slimy celebrity. <laughs> and I, I love it. it. It's it's not a real person, but the, uh, Martin Short has gone extensively into his background. And what's kind of great about it, like I said, he tried to have this like Ali G, Borat aspect before Borat and Ali G... He didn't want anybody to recognize him. But the problem is, Martin Short has been in the entertainment industry long enough that people were recognizing him. And the the happy accident that I was kind of alluding to at the the very beginning is that he... (laughs) he, he He was recognized, and his friends would just go along with it. And this weird happy accident came about to where people were excited that they were being part of a a Martin Short project so they just acted like Jiminy Glick was real and not only that that he's been around forever in the entertainment business like a real staple of the entertainment business like uh, Robert E or uh, Siskel and Ebert type person where it's like they're not in the entertainment industry but they are very much a part of it and very well respected like that's kind of the reverence they were giving them and people on this weird happy trail that kind of birthed out of like alright let's go down this which is where I guess his improv skills came about Uh, he would interview people and they would make up part of his backstory. and because of this Jiminy Glick has this weird really robust back uh, story that I don't think Martin Short really made up he just kind of remembered details from different interviews that people kept Throwing in, and he's like, "Okay, that's definitely one." Like he uh, interviewed somebody, and they were like, "Oh, I, you know, I, I love you, and the best part about you, Jiminy, is that you have just the most wonderful family, just a big wonderful family that they all love you." And so he talked about, so that's where he got a wife, right? And that him and his wife are really in love, and that he has, uh, I think, four children, Matthew, Modine, maybe, or sorry, he has, like, four children, they all have weird M names, and they've showed pictures of them, and they're all, like, just fat, nerdy kids, but he's, he's very much like a, oh, I love my children, and I love my wife, and then... Just more things have gotten come- And so he's got this huge, extensive catalog of history that other people have just put in, and then he can refer to for jokes. So it's a very flushed-out person, which is super weird. It's great, by the way. It, it, nothing makes more of a character with, than when you have a lore or a history or mythos to kind of go back on. That's why everybody likes Game of Thrones, because... Yes, Game of Thrones is amazing, but there's so much backstory that you can either dive into or the characters can refer to that you're like, oh, shit, okay, these people have been through a lot, right? Uh, Or this whole universe has been through a lot. But that's kind of what Jiminy did with this character of like, oh, this is a fully full-textured character that he can pull from, so he's not in the mindset of, uh, Martin Short being Jiminy Glick at, at this point he's in the mindset of all right I am Jiminy now and these are, I, I don't have my regular wife and my regular kids I have my uh, wife that I have sex with all the time and my four fat m-word kids and I have been around for 40 years in this business and I built this cri-. so he has that to draw from and so anytime anybody makes fun of him." He can uh, he can pull out like what he did with Bill Maher of like oh yeah no me and my wife like to get two two or three pops a week and then you know every, and that's the thing people always think that he's gay so anyways I'm, I'm diving back into that but I, we already talked about it but I, I I do like the fact that he found a way... like what I said about i had been trying personally to dive into how to become the anti-hero or the antagonist in your own jokes, like, you do have to have a redeeming quality. And you can't just... If you just go up there and you're like, I'm a piece of shit, then people just go like, yep, yes you are. You gotta have some lovable redeeming quality. And Jiminy's is that he's just helpless. He, he is just so far gone. And he has that same thing that uh, both characters from The Office... Both bosses have. If you guys haven't seen the UK office with Ricky Gervais, he's this uh, just mid-management boss who thinks of himself so highly, but really he's just a mid- mid-management boss at a paper company. <clears throat> and it's the same with Steve Carell's character, where he thinks of himself as this huge entertainer and amazing when he's really just this mid-management boss at a paper company. So they act, both of those characters in their own ways do just horrifically social like good God, what are you doing? That if anybody who was really going anywhere did, like, anybody who was anybody did that, you would just go like, that is the worst person ever. Kind of like what Kanye does, whereas Kanye is just very successful and he gets shit, but when he says stuff, you're like, wow, what a fucking dick But if someone was kind of this dopey, like, I just, I, I need this to feel like I'm going somewhere, you might actually like him. I don't know, some of the shit that Kanye does. Maybe that's not a good example, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Maybe, I don't know, maybe if Kanye was this big, fat, frumpy guy who, you know, wasn't married to a Kardashian and was just single all his life, maybe, I don't know, maybe the shit that he says, people would be like, oh, Kanye, come on, you are the greatest, right? You get behind you get behind the underdogs that believe in themselves for th- that much for no reason, where you're like, I don't know where all this confidence is coming from. And it is egotistical, but I kind of like it. And so, I definitely study this to go like, how can I figure out how to be that kind of dopey piece of shit with too much confidence? Because I tell you right now, uh, a little bit about me, definitely feel that way in real life. I, I am uber confident for no. I'm a short, fucking pale piece of shit who's scored a, a hot wife who likes to support me and take care of me and uh i I don't know how i did it just blind confidence because uh yeah i used to get picked on in high school for wearing a kilt too much like (laughs) i don't know where this confidence comes from and uh so if i can find a way for it to be enjoyable instead of like all right now you're fucking bragging like i feel like a lot of you just like all right we got it um so yeah trying to find that lovable angle is very difficult and he he managed to do it. It was it was fantastic, and people people really grabbed onto it. It was a it was a really popular character for a few years. And you know, uh, you know, long story short, Martin Short had some personal things that he kind of had to duck out of uh, doing stuff like this. So, um, so yeah, I I don't know. I just wanted you guys to recognize this character because I feel like it gets. There's a lot of things in comedy that are. And this is one of them, that are hot for uh, a quick second, but don't really linger around. Like Comedy doesn't really get the same treatment that music does in that, like, uh, grunge music, right? Grunge music was definitely a style, or hair metal bands were definitely a style of music, and it was a fucking niche thing. It was like, hey... Hey, we all like this thing, and then it's very popular, and then boom, it's gone, right? The comedy we, it gets that same fucking flair, but holy shit does it go into a black hole afterwards. It's It doesn't linger. People don't look back on it and go, yep, this is still good. Um, like, Jiminy Glick is a good example. Fucking Pee Wee Herman. Th- like, that was a huge cultural thing in... In the ethos, Uh, the Blues Brothers are another one. Like there, there are these weird kind of comedy things that really take hold of the culture. And then the second that they're not popular, or the second that they're not producing, people just kind of go like, "Nope, we're done with it." And maybe, I you know, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe a part of that is because you know you can listen to music over and over again, or watch a movie over and over again, and it not lose. All of its luster, whereas comedy, once you see, you got to constantly produce something new so that it stays uh, fresh. So maybe I just answered my own question. But all right, so yes, that that is exactly why. Now that I'm talking like an idiot, that is why comedy does that, right? It, it flares up because it gets popular, just like music or movies, but it goes away because it's like fruit; it's not like a mineral. Okay, let's establish that. But I don't think that's—I don't think that should be a reason that you can't go back and appreciate what it what it is and what it does for comedy in general. Now, I know if you're the average Joe, listen to this. Thank you. But if you're the average Joe and you're not into comedy and how it works and shit like that, you kind of go like, "Oh, it gives a shit. It's not making me laugh right now." But you have to understand, like, it without. Without these little trends that build up to something newer and fresher And if you've never seen it before If you go back Like I, I've been going back and watching I mean clearly You guys have seen the other episodes uh, But I've been going back and watching like old cartoons and shit I haven't seen since I was a kid Guess what? Some of that shit holds up And so that's why I like to introduce stuff like Jiminy Glick Where it was like huge when it came out And then it just kind of flared out and people forgot about it it's like no! Go back and watch this shit It's still funny fucking Charlie Chaplin is still funny in some episodes. Fucking Three Stooges can can be. I'm not a huge Three Stooges fan, but I understand that Three Stooges still can be funny. All this stuff was funny for a reason, and maybe you won't find it funny. There's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, isn't funny, but a lot of stuff that gets popular was popular for a reason. Maybe that shit holds up, so go out and try it. That's why I do this, so that's why I wanted to get you guys into Jiminy Glick. So please, there's a bunch of shit online that you can find, and you can also buy, uh, you know, DVDs and stuff of that show. Uh, so go out and listen to more Jiminy Glick because I, I I put my stamp on it, like I like I do with everything else on this fucking podcast. Put my stamp on it and say you will find something, an interview, uh, a, a sketch, something that you will enjoy of Jiminy Glick. I guarantee it because it is funny. It is. It, it, it's thoughtful in that you can tell Martin Short put a lot of time and energy and effort into creating this comedy so I guarantee you won't be disappointed, you may just be marginally entertained Like that that's the worst that it'll get, I guarantee it you will go, eh, okay, I can see it but at the best, you'll go, fuck, I love this and then eat it up like I do so everyone, thank you for joining me again on Just a Tad, I hope that you enjoyed this, please Do me the hugest of favors, if you are listening to this, because I know you are, I see you guys, I've been saying this every fucking episode, nobody's fucking listening, alright? Do me the favor, whenever you get a chance, just click a like button, or click a share button, but more importantly than that, for me, give me a comment, wherever you're listening to this, take a couple of seconds and go, hey... That's all I want. I just want to see that you guys are fucking alive, all right? Because I, I want to I wanna have this be a dialogue. I want to hear what you guys want me to talk about. It's up to you, all right? I don't care if you listen to this fucking 20 years in the future. Just say, hey, uh, why don't you talk about fucking Froot Loops? I don't know what the fuck. I don't know why I said Froot Loops, but whatever, all right? This is, this is petered out. We can all agree on that. So I'm going to say I love you, and I'm going to say go out and find comedy, Uh, And then we're going to have a quick moment of silence for how much I really kind of tanked the end of this episode. It was, like, real fun, and then I got serious about wanting you guys to talk to me, and uh, now it's just weird. So I hope you enjoyed it. I love you very much. Go out and find comedy. Bye. Bye.